This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, beautiful human. Today we are going to hang out with a human being who has found fame and maybe eventually fortune from living in a 95 square foot apartment. I am talking about Axel Weber. He showed his apartment to the masses via TikTok and he has become quite the polarizing figure online. And today he's going to answer all the questions that you've had burning inside. Why is he so polarizing? He's going to share his personal underdog story and a whole lot more. And a reminder... You can hang out with us every day after 3 o'clock West Coast, 6 o'clock Eastern, only on Amazon's AMP. There, Monday through Friday, hanging out with you. And all these interviews, they happen first for you on AMP. Please share our podcast with those you care about. If you have any guest suggestions, reach out at Zach Sang Show on any form of social media. And see our faces and this interview on YouTube. Just search Zach Sang Show. Anyway, here we go. Axel Weber. Hello, beautiful human. I'm so excited to have in the studio right now, hanging out with us, Axel Weber. Woo! How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> Feels good to clap for yourself, doesn't it? Yes, I do it all the time, alone in my room. No one does anything, and I do something cool, a trick shot or pop an M&M in my mouth, and I'll give myself a claps. You know, it starts with you. It starts, it starts with, with you. Me. Every morning you wake up, and who's your biggest fan? It's the guy looking back at you in the mirror. So do you consider your apartment a room, or do you consider an apartment? I consider it my humble abode my castle in New York City, my home away from home, and also the only place my mom won't visit, apparently. <laughs> she just won't come by. Now, I understand it's not massive. So if she were to come, my dad and her would have to sleep on the queen. I'd have to sleep above them on the twin. I want to get them there really bad. I think they just need a little bit more convincing, and they need to see me cook something real. Okay. You were able to <laughs> get your siblings to come and visit. Yes. And you all slept in the apartment. Fine. All of us. I had my sister. Her now fiance, oh, they're engaged. Muscle tough. Okay, yes, good on them. <laughs> and I had my younger sister. So them two on the queen, my little sister and I on the on the twin mattress. But we all fit, bumping elbows, trying to brush teeth and everything like that. I made them PB and J's. We had a fantastic time. It's enough room if you're willing to cram. I don't think my mama is. Well, so is that the problem? Like your parents won't visit because they don't want to cram in it, or do you like why? I think it's just the space. Yeah, listen. They're adults. They've got their own money. They can live a life of luxury if they want. And, you know, there's a hotel down the street for a couple hundred bucks a night. Yeah. I think that's what they'll do. They still want to see their son. I just don't think they're willing to uh, see the space he lives. What do your parents do in Cunningham, Georgia? Coming, Georgia. Coming, Georgia. That's the hometown. Yeah. Oh, my we God. So sorry. <laughs> it's coming. shirts. I love coming. That's the, that's our best-selling T-shirt. It's <laughs> a slogan. What do you it is. But what do your parents do there? <laughs> my mom, she is a absolutely amazing woman so for the first like 20 years that i've known her she's just been a mother 
And then all of a sudden her kids grow up and she's like, I'm going to go back into the workforce. And so she's now, she works at a healthcare company. I don't know exactly what she does. It's like a little convoluted. Like she's like a managing director or something. She's super, she's empowering. She empowers people. She helps the business run. And then my father works with his buddy uh, at like a warehouse. Homeschooled though. You and your siblings, correct? Oh my gosh. The best time of my life. Do you mean that? Being homeschooled. I swear to God, there's nothing like built-in friends. Friends, they can come and go, right? Because you age and, you know, people grow apart, your family never leaves. So imagine being surrounded by your family from, like, the age 4 to the age 10. (laughs) Did I just get an audible? (laughs) That sounds rough. Well, it was fun. Do you not like your family? No, I love my family, but I also liked meeting new people. Okay. Public school is good for meeting new people. When did you go to public school? Did you ever? I did. I went to public school in fourth grade. Was that scary? It was frightening. For the first time, I got on the bus, I think, in third grade, and I started crying immediately. I was like, I can't do it, Mom. I got to stay home. And so I did for another year. Really? And then she's like, okay. Go now. I'm sick of you. Be free. So what changed? Why did your parents go from homeschooling you to just throwing you into the deep end? Um, I think that they realized it was... A massive burden to put upon themselves and they thought that it'd be good to have their children <laughs> go go and be in the public school so most of us were in there for at least like five years I mean we all got the high school experience so but those first years of homeschooling were phenomenal I mean we're reading books we're going to like the botanical gardens we do like you know little day trips go on roller coasters my sister she was the young of us the youngest of us and we'd all be reading books she'd like have the book upside down trying to just you know join in with us do you feel like it shaped who you are being homeschooled? Absolutely. Um, if I hadn't been around my family while I was younger, I'm not sure I would have been able to foster such a great relationship that I have with them now. They are the defining moment in my life. They are my rock. They're my they're my grounding point. You know, when I think about something that I might potentially do, I think, would my mother or my father be proud of this? Do they would they appreciate what I'm trying to do? They instill with us great morals. Um, and as long as what I'm doing is ethical and legal, <laughs> I think they're proud of me. They want me to be happy and being around them since I was young made me realize how important that relationship is. Are they proud of what you built over the last few months? They are. <laughs> Do they tell you? They're surprised by it, but they are more proud than anything. I mean, my mom texted me literally the other day out of the blue and she just goes, looking at the sunrise, thinking of you, so proud, can't wait to see you soon. Little text like that from your mom. You know, how weird is it to cry at 9 a.m.? It happened to me two you, days ago. You cry a lot. <laughs> I do. I'm in tune with my emotions, Zachary. Too in tune. <laughs> we, we were at dinner for the first time ever, oh, Axel and I, and we were having a conversation about love. Mm-hmm. And I think I told you what I love about this person. I'm like in love with this person. And I just went into like why I'm in love with them and what they mean to me and you started crying. You, you, well, you laid it out there. It's the first time I meet this man, and he's like, these are my emotions. Look at, look at how I feel. There is nothing more powerful than someone being like, this is how I feel. When I wake up in the morning, you feel a certain type of way, and I'm sure when you fall in love with someone, you feel a certain type of way. Exposing that emotion is the most vulnerable part of you. Sharing that with me for <laughs> the first time meeting someone, I was like, man, I already felt attachment. How do you take on people's emotions? Because I do feel like you're an empathetic person. Empathetic for sure. Uh, other people's emotions towards me, I try to just kind of leave them all neutral because some people are super nice, other yeah. people are super mean. I try to take it all with a grain of salt. Do you feel like people on the internet actually get to know who you are? 
I think they try their best with the narrative that I provide. I put out content and I hope that they understand all of who I am, but I can't show every little part, you know? They don't know how I scrub my armpits in the shower and they probably never will, but I do. <laughs> but do you think that, do okay, that. it's good to know that you clean yourself, but does how you scrub your pits determine the type of person you are? No, but the most intimate part of myself is everything down from the tiny little idiosyncrasies that make myself who I am, like the tics or the way I talk or the way I look into someone's eyes. They might never get to experience that if they don't meet me in real life, so I'll try the very best to put on an authentic self for the camera how many takes do you have to do before you get a tiktok that's right sometimes it's just one truly truly especially if i feel good about it if i feel like this is great and people should see it now sometimes it's that fast what was the last tiktok that was just like a one take wonder um the one i just put out yesterday or today it was uh, just the place where I'm staying in Los Angeles. I was like, here's the apartment that I'm staying in in Los Angeles. And then I showed the apartment. I feel like sometimes that's the most authentic take is the very first one. I'm not sure if you've ever seen an improv show or if you've oh, yeah. ever seen a documentary. The two matching components of those things are it's immediate and it can't be replicated. You can't have that first time again. That's why it's so great to like see people on the street interacting. They're not actors. They're just being themselves. So sometimes that first takes the best one and you, you can't do it again. After all the months of doing this now, because you, like, you start in December, right? That's when you really blow up. And now, obviously, I think it's March. Damn. Do time you, flies. Yeah, time <laughs> flies when you're getting famous on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> do you feel like you are the same person today that you were in December? I believe I might actually be more confused today. How so? When I first came in December, I was like, I know what I want to do is I want to act. I want to be in New York City and I want to find myself. And that could mean any number of things. I believe a lot of kids have that same struggle today where they have limitless options. Because if you live here or if you grew up with a nice family or if you were gifted with the ability to talk or the ability to walk, you have all these natural abilities. And so you could do anything. There's anything you could do any number of options and due to these limitless number of options you are stunned into complete immobility I can do anything therefore I do nothing I felt like that until I prompted myself to move my family and friends said just make a choice make a move and you're talking about moving from Georgia to Pontiac Michigan Pontiac Michigan and then from Pontiac to New York you're in Pontiac Michigan and you're a real estate underwriter right yes. you're living with your aunt and your uncle beautiful people I, I mean they t they take you in <laughs> they, they have to be beautiful in. they are undoubtedly two of the greatest people I've ever met in my entire life and my whole extended family is like that they're like if you need anything we're here for you which is great to have by the way that's a security and a blanket that many aren't afforded right of course not I do agree with you that there's so many the democratization of content creation on the internet has allowed people the opportunity to build their own destiny. But there's some things that still work in, if you have a family, depending on your skin color, there's things that do work in your favor, right? Inherently. Absolutely. That like, you know, your parents or your family not being there supporting you could have stopped you from making TikToks and you could have never. That's the reason I here. started in the first place. I started making TikToks because my mom and dad were like, we don't really know what you're doing in New York and we want to keep up with you um so would you mind you know just like maybe making some videos or like something like that to kind of show us what's going on so mm. that's how i started i just recorded what i was doing in new york i mean i i still would live in this small apartment i would still have flunked out at juilliard and done all these things <laughs> um people just wouldn't know about it if i hadn't pulled out my phone but 
it's your parents want to understand what you're doing that pushes you to post. And we'll get back to that in a second. But how did you know you were ready to go to New York from Pontiac, Michigan? I wasn't ready at all. I had zero plan. I didn't know where I was going to live. Um, but I did have a car. My dad sold me his car. How much did he sell it to you for? Uh, $1,850. Okay. Like I put out, like I printed out like an amortization sheet. I was like, dad, <laughs> we're going to make this legit. I want I'm the gonna, pink slip. Yeah. I'm going to buy this from you and I'm going to like, uh, we're going to, you know, put it on credit. So I'm going to pay a little bit each month. <laughs> it was my first real purchase. I was like a little bit nervous. I did a down payment and everything. So I had a car. I knew I had a place to sleep immediately. Because you had a car. That is immediately a massive weight off the shoulders. Again, like little things like that, a family, a car, the means family. to have that make like, yes, in theory, they are small. But when they add up, they really can make the difference between crumbling and keep going. That was the thing that kept me. If I hadn't have had a car, I would have I never would have gone. Yeah. So I'd say the only reason I'm here is because of my family, because of the opportunities that they afforded me, including think like that which is the car, which was my first home. And then and then making that jump to New York. My entire life, my family's been like, just, you know, just do things. And, and, and instilling that sense of confidence into your children, I, I know people don't always get that. I hope, I hope that I can help people get that. So you go to New York, but you don't go to New York first, you go to New Jersey. You yes. camp out in a Walmart parking lot. Mm -hmm. I'm just interested, where was the Walmart? The Walmart was in Newark, Kearney, New Jersey yeah, area. I, okay. So <laughs> I'm from New Jersey. It was honestly one of the nicest Walmarts I've ever been to. I mean, and by the way, people may not know this, but you can actually live in a Walmart parking lot for free. It's one of the few things that like you can do if you have a trailer or an RV or a car. There's security. Yes. There's like a security guard that goes around. He'll check in on you. And I mean, if you need groceries, you're right next to the Walmart. Right there. But if you're living in your car, maybe hard to come by groceries. <laughs> yes. So maybe not groceries, but you know. but a safe place to spaghettios make home. Yes, a safe space to make home. And that was just the intermediary point. I immediately, I you know, I had my cell phone, for example, uh, which is <laughs> which is another thing that people might not have if you're just living in your car. So I was able to look on Facebook Marketplace for places. I was only there for like three weeks, and then I finally got to move to New York. And I had all my stuff already in the car from Michigan. So that last night in the Walmart parking lot, oh my, I couldn't, you could not wipe that smile off my face. I was getting prepared. You know, I hadn't showered in a while. <laughs> I'm just thinking <laughs> of like getting in a warm shower and, and getting in that place and driving up to New York. I had a theme song by Frank Sinatra playing. Mm. Dun, 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 of course. Dun, 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 dun. It was, <laughs> it was a great night. So I, I was glad I made it. And, and now that I've been there, it's, it's been everything I could have hoped for, more than I could have hoped for. You know, I, I expected to just be there and figuring it out slowly, you know, and manageably, and things have happened very fast. I've been thrown into a world of wonderful opportunities, and I feel drastically underprepared, um, but I'm trying to take it in the best way that I can because I know anyone else in this position would be extremely grateful. I know that's how I should feel. And so I'm grateful, but I'm also, you know, absolutely terrified <laughs> and uh just just trying to be calm present and in the moment have you asked yourself why you absolutely and have you figured out an answer absolutely not uh there's nothing i'd say that special or redeeming about the quality that is me except for the fact that i believe the things that i want are possible that seems to be the only differentiating factor is that my family my mom my dad since I was young, said, you know, it really is possible just as long as you put your mind to it. And so I don't know why me, but I know that 
I'm happy to be here. Is it fair to say that 95 square feet changed your life? 95 square feet has made my life. Mm. It saved my life even in a, in a sense. Before coming here, I was, I was super confused. When you're younger, you're told you can be anything and you can do anything. Um, and when you're given such a wide array of possibilities, it makes deciding what you want to be a little difficult. You're, you're just confused. And I was very confused um, and lost. And at times it didn't feel like, like there was a right path. Like perhaps because I couldn't see myself becoming anything, maybe I shouldn't be anything. Um, making the move, just deciding to go do something, you know, because sometimes you don't want to do anything and you don't want to be anywhere and you don't want to get out of bed and waking up seems like a task, but deciding to move, just deciding to move, deciding to get up and go somewhere with absolutely no plan in mind, except for the fact that you think you might be able to change. Do you feel like you've changed? Obviously you were forced into change. I mean, I feel like I have some semblance of direction which is the thing I've been searching for my whole life. So where is the compass pointing? Right now the compass is pointing to content creation and that compass leads to anything else. The entertainment industry in general, which is being in front of the camera and providing people a smile or a laugh or maybe even some tears. Um, that direction's all I wanted. I, I remember like a year ago, I was like, I feel like I have my hands on the wheel of a boat and it's a fast boat, it's a speedy boat. Um, but I just have no idea where to point it. And now we have a modeling contract. Yes. We have an agent. <laughs> yes. We have a representative and I'll get into how they came into your life in a second. But I do remember one of the things at dinner when we went out, you, you whipped out your Juilliard monologue for me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I think I gave you some notes on it. Oh, you must've, but I'm not going to lie. It was, it wasn't great. Um, I said, I said that to you. Did you think it was good? No, it no, it was not. It didn't get me into the school. I, 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 it was not good because I wasn't, uh, well prepared and I should have prepared more. I'm, I'm honored that you listened to it and gave me some thoughtful <laughs> criticism. Applying for a school like that, especially now I know it, the preparation is necessary, the understanding, the character, the reading, the lines, uh, things could have been done for me to better prepare myself for the situation. I think my note was to get rid of your accent and just That's probably sell it. right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just throw it in the trash. Yeah. It was, it was. <laughs> I mean, I was going to ask you to give us a little bit of it, but I don't know. Um, I don't remember the exact line. I could just, I could make one up for you. What would you like me to talk about? I mean, about? you're going to make up Mac, what was it? Shakespeare, it was, right? Uh, yeah, it was Shakespeare. What, what, um, what play was it? See, I can't even remember. Clearly. <laughs> so Can I ask you, why weren't you prepared? I mean, people prepare their whole lives for a Juilliard audition. You still chose to take the leap. You still chose to share the experience. Right. I mean, why not hit pause on the audition until you were more prepared? The, I had set the audition date before I'd ever posted a TikTok or anything like that. Yeah. So it was January 9th. That was the day. And, uh, you know, leading up to it, I was making TikToks. I was making YouTube videos. I was not as focused on the audition as I should have been. Well, looking back, do you think getting not not getting into Juilliard was that a, that was probably a good thing for your career, right? Or do you still kind of wish you got accepted? Well, getting accepted always would have been like a nice pat on the back, like, "Hey, you do have some some skill here." <laughs> so I didn't get that. No pat on the back, but um, getting rejected was was definitely something negative that turned into a positive. You know, there's uh, 
people that came out you were just playing the charlie puth song he came out and he was like super supportive um you know about the fact that just dedication and hard work can get you where you want you don't you don't have to get accepted everywhere and I and I certainly probably wouldn't have gotten accepted to any school, let alone <laughs> Juilliard, one of the best acting schools in the country. Hashtag justice for Axel trends around this whole thing. I mean, do you, as you sit here today, do you feel like you deserve justice? I feel like I got justice. How so? <laughs> I got rejected from a school I was not prepared to get into. So that is justice in and of itself. The school has any number of criteria that they judge their applicants on. They judged me on the similar criteria, the same way they would anyone else. That's equality. That's justice. They're doing their part. And uh, they made a decision that was probably absolutely the right decision. Were you seeking justice? So when you see people go after a school with such pedigree and history like Juilliard on your behalf, is that embarrassing or is that motivating? Um, I was absolutely honored to see the outpouring of support at first it was super positive like hey you know what you can still do it you know there's other ways you'll be great and then you know it turned a little bit when they started targeting Juilliard which was still at first it was a little funny and I was like okay guys that the main thing I thought about I was like I don't think Juilliard the institution really cares that much at all it's just you know some guy made a TikTok about it they you know think the dean of admissions is sweating a bullet over the this. New York Times did a piece on it yes the paper of record perhaps but, but I was just thinking about that poor social media Media manager over at Juilliard reading yeah. like 15,000 comments I'm like okay yeah really? this is one of their 17 jobs because the <laughs> yeah. Juilliard Instagram is not really popping off yes yeah, like maybe they work for the school yeah. it's like they're just trying to get some of their tuition reimbursed was justice the wrong word to use justice was just the, the hashtag they wanted to use you know I think I think people jumped on it because they might have thought I don't know if they actually wanted justice. they might have thought it was just kind of funny like a funny thing to do how do you define the community that you've built and what role do they play in your life like how do you see them I see them as people who might actually be naturally inclined to pursue something that seems out of the ordinary or unexpected or maybe not even attainable. The people that have been supporting me have watched my videos and said things and been so supportive of things that I thought were outlandish. So I, I hope that that community is the exact same. It feels like a sounding board, like like in the same way that I see you and I'm like, that's a passionate guy who cares about his career, who wants to do something big. It's the same way I see the audience, passionate people who care about whatever it is that they do, who want to do something big. And we just get to share my journey together. Do you feel like they carry too much of your burden in the bags that you have trailing behind you? If they carry any burden of all at all, I'd, I'd hope that they would get rid of it. I can, I'll carry whatever burden comes. Um, so far, I'm just honored that they're watching. You know, there's studies done on the relationship you built with your your audience as it relates to things like Juilliard. Like your rejection felt like their rejection. You're one and the same. Have you seen those? I have not seen those. No. It's a whole thing. I'll send you some links. Okay. It's really fascinating. Okay. Um, really, to your point of like, it's, it's, it's a journey that you walk together. Is it wild to think that you're never alone even when you feel the most alone? It's comforting, actually. Do you remember that in the moments where you feel alone, that you're not? Yes. Because it's easy to forget. There's still moments where I'm cooped up in my apartment, you know, making a video and I still feel very much alone. My family's in Georgia and it's just me. But when I post a video, I get, you know, comments and sometimes I get to go out in the street and people might recognize me or say something. And it, it does make the city of New York, which in and of itself can be a lonely place. It's full of people, but not it's not like people just talking to each other all the time. Like, you know, if someone starts talking to you on the on the streets of New York, it's probably because they want something, you know, Sometimes. money or it's a free comedy show, but you got to buy two drinks. <laughs> but having the people there and knowing that they're there, it does make me feel like 
I don't know. Like people are following along. Is it polarizing when you walk the streets? Because you, the feedback on you is oh, the most positive. But let's call it what it is. <laughs> for every good, there is the opportunity for bad. Yes. And for every light, there is dark. And for every uh, nice fan, there's also one who might scream F you yeah. in the streets. Do people actually <laughs> scream at you in the streets? Yeah, it's only happened once. But uh, most of the time... It's, it's enough all, to traumatize you. Most of the time, it's all smiles. It's all waves. <clears throat> I walked past this group of girls like maybe two weeks ago. And I, you know, they, they say, Axel. And I turn around and I smile. Because why not? You know, I'm like, I give a wave. <laughs> I'm mid-wave. I'm smiling like this. Giving a hand. <laughs> and they just go... Fuck you! <laughs> Scream it at the top of their lungs as I'm mid-smile, and I just nod. I'm like, okay, and keep walking with my head down. Why, why do you think they did that? Um, I don't know. They, they might have just noticed me or, or thought it was funny. It could have been any number. They might think that, you know, I got too much attention for getting rejected. Uh, I, they might think I'm an industry plant. Industry plant? Yes. Industry bush, industry tree. <laughs> I I'm could... just honored to be anywhere in the forest. Do you think that's a ridiculous accusation i don't think it's ridiculous at all i think uh well first of all i'm honored that people think like everything happened so quickly there's no way that it could have just been him <laughs> that that feels like uh that feels like a compliment might be a little backhanded well the reality is it is pretty much you it is me but i've gotten the opportunity to meet people like like diomi yeah you I've have got, a manager behind you exactly and and now we've got the agent and and it's still absolutely I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get my footing that's all so I understand why people would say industry plant because I am showing I'm showing the good parts and not the bad well the only bad part is just is just me trying to figure out what it is that I'm doing exactly and where I'm headed you know and that that's something I, I don't know how I would record that and make it look cool just like hey guys having a little crisis here don't really know exactly who i am or where i'm headed and i'm freaking out and everything's happening so fast anyways isn't that the vulnerability that people want maybe it is people also like smiles not the girl on the street not the girl on the street she just doesn't like me <laughs> as a person you, and i can't fix that well do you think it has something to do with this idea that you romanticize poverty that's yeah that's a possibility i definitely have glamorized the way that I live and the way that I live is a super low budget. So, um, but it's also just the way that I live. So that is my apartment. And you know, I, I do, I do buy my peanut butter and my groceries from the street because when I first came here, I had zero budget. You know, I, I intended to make my money last as long as I could while working a job that paid me $15 an hour. How much did you come with from Pontiac, Michigan? I came with like three months of rent, twelve so thirty six, thirty six hundred dollars, give or take. That's it. Yes, but I but I knew as soon as I came out here, I'd be able to get a job. So I was like, I know I'm 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 competent. I can read. Like I know I'm employable. Yeah, but yet you got a job as a bouncer at a pirate bar. Yes, and you're but, five foot two. Yes, I did get a job as a bouncer, <laughs> but I never, you know, <laughs> no one ridiculous. ever tried. Yeah, well, who would I'm, hire you for that? I'm employable. I walked in there, and he fought, he didn't hire anyone else because they came in for specific jobs like waitress or bartender. I went in there as general. I was like, I'll do anything. <laughs> I'll take anything. I will mop your floors. I will clean your car. I will literally wash your bed sheets. Or drag drunk people out of a pirate bar. If you need me to, absolutely. I'll put on <laughs> some <a> weight. <laughs> and so he hired me on the spot that night as soon as I walked in. And then I was working there for weeks since. And I, I, I feel like having that baseline of being like, yes, I can make money if I go anywhere. That was my backbone, you know. So that is the way I live. And, and 
I hope I don't glamorize it too much because you know the goal is definitely still to 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 move up in life and to buy food at Trader Joe's and get in a larger apartment with a stove and things like that. I'm gonna ask a hard question, and it's something that I, I I saw come up online. Like, do you think people? Why do you think people care? And do you think I'm gonna be honest? Like, do you think a part of the reason why people care is because you happen to be white? I hope would hope that people would care regardless of my skin color if they saw a person with a different skin color doing the same thing i'd hope they would care just as much and i'd assume that they would i'd, I'd like to believe most people are good in that sense i think that they care possibly because it's just a story a story of me making my life in new york from a somewhat humble beginning and People like to latch on to stories like that because it feels good and it just happens to be my life. I, it's happened a lot faster than I ever expected it to, um, which is why I think people might not like it as much as they did originally. That's interesting. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So using people, the, the speed of your, your the meteoric rise is why people have, in your opinion, why people have turned on your story? People might have turned on it just because they, they <laughs> might just not like me. Yeah. Or they got over it or whatever. Yeah, or it's they got the over internet. it. This is, we live in the day and age of the internet. Things come and go rapidly quickly. So there's any number of reasons they might not want to watch me, you know, too short, not enough muscle. <laughs> Terrible diet. You've been working out, though. Oh, yeah. Tons of squats. <laughs> Thank you very much, man. Um, the me For me, the meteoric rise has been... I'm, like, holding on to the side of a rocket, just just trying to hang on. So it's it's a lot of fun for me. I hope that people can, can sense that I'm having a good time, and I hope that they, you know, want to ride with me. Are you afraid of it going away? All of this? Yeah. Absolutely not. What do three, you do? Three months ago, I was working as a bouncer outside of a bar in New York City. And three weeks before that, I was living in my car. And four weeks before that, I was with my aunt and my uncle working at a job. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was just eating popcorn every night and, and, and crying in the car on the way to work. Every step of my life since here has gotten continuously better. I am perfectly fine going back to that job being a bouncer just so long as I can do something that I love. Just so long as I can wake up in the morning and say, I'm happy about today and where I'm headed. As of this moment, could you, if you wanted to, afford an apartment that was not 95 square feet? No. Not as of this moment. I still have the same budget. I have done brand deals since then, but they're like, you know, the pay window is like 60 days or 120 uh, days. So just kind of <laughs> just waiting. Just waiting. <laughs> waiting. You got a, a yes. countdown clock. Countdown clock. But even then, um, I've as far as everything I've ever seen about financial advice... It's maintain your standard of living and increase your amount of earned income. So if I can do that, I feel like that's 
the pathway to success or at least wealth and stability. And you're happy in that small apartment, right? I'm the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. So why move out just because <laughs> you may have more money? Like you don't need to move out just because you can. Now you're talking my language. Absolutely. Do you think the small apartment is kind of part of your brand? Like if you leave the apartment, it's like people won't be as attached to the story because it's it's a part of you. I'm sure people, some people, especially the ones that latched on to like, holy cow, this is the smallest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, they might not find it as interesting, but I certainly would find wherever I go next very interesting. I'm excited. You know, I'm excited for a stove. I'm excited for my own <laughs> shower. I've had to wear flip-flops in the community bathroom for the last three months. It's weird putting on flip-flops to go to the bathroom, <laughs> but I got to do it. Do the people in your building know you've become a star because of that apartment? Like, do they know who you are now? Is it weird being there? I've only had a couple people um, stop me. Some There's, you know, the mixed age ranges. The mm. person that lives right next to me is like 65. And then <laughs> no people, yeah, people down the, I don't think they know what TikTok is. And then the people down the hall. I mean, I did have the weirdest thing that happened in the building was uh, someone knocked they knew what the apartment was. They knocked on every single door. To find you? On every floor t t until they got to mine. Oh, no. And I thought it was like my super or something. So I opened the door. I'm like shirtless. <laughs> and it's just this you, group of you kids. Answer your, you, you answer your landlord shirtless? Well, yeah. He, his, name's, his name's Frank. He's Ukrainian. He's the coolest guy I've ever met. He's cool. the nicest guy. He mops sometimes. I help him carry things down the stairs. He's like, no, no, liability, liability. I'm like, come on, Frank. <laughs> so you're comfortable being shirtless around him. Understood. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but then it was just this group of kids, and they were the nicest kids ever. They're like, hey, we think that you might be super lonely from your videos. Do you need any friends? I was like, oh. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow, that's either amazing or really frightening. I was a little, I was a little bit of both. <laughs> but, I, you know, they left the room number and everything, and I haven't contacted them yet. But maybe, maybe in the future. Is there a TikTok you regret posting? No. Not even hashtag Catholic vibes? Not, oh, no, absolutely not. Catholic vibes, my family's Catholic. Born and raised Catholic, and I grew up Catholic my whole life. Did all the sacraments. I've been confirmed. And I absolutely love, I'm not sure where I stand religiously yet. I think that's, I honestly think that's a beautiful place to be. Oh, yeah. If I was young out. and I was set in my ways, I think I'd be even more scared, you know? I want to be open to everything. Well, and somebody who's understood and you've gone through the church, have you read the Bible? Yes. I've made it through Genesis and then you start, you know, slogging through the lineage and it's like Job was the son of, who was the son of, and then you find out Abraham's 950 years old. I'm like, okay. He checked out. I, I tried my best though, That's but I could get back into it. Um, I think there's a lot of value in religion and especially, you know, my mom, she raised us with values that she learned in the Catholic church. So, and I, and I love, I do love going to mass. Come on, the stained glass. And I agree. Gregorian chants. Oh. <laughs> I love the food they serve. The, f the food? Yeah, the, the, the Eucharist. The, <laughs> the body of Christ. I don't know if I'd call that a full meal. I mean, when not I, food. Dude, when I was growing up, I was an altar boy and I used to camp my little fat ass back in the church and I'd eat all the Eucharist. Oh. I'd sit in the closet, I'd pop them like, Snacks, extra holy. Yeah, you dude. were that day. <laughs> I do it often. The priest is like, "Yeah, we need we need the Eucharist." You're like, "I, I ate a ton can't. of Jesus." <laughs> um, question: Like, does giving back? I mean, obviously, you grew up Catholic, and you see all these things that you've been afforded. Does the idea of giving back and paying it forward to others around you who may be going through similar situations ever enter your mind? Sure, absolutely. Uh, ever since I was young, my parents made it a point to tithe. 10%. That's a big thing in the Catholic Church, I'm sure you're aware. Yeah. Oh my God, they give 10% of their income. Look at them. They're real Catholic. <laughs> That's, I'm like, come on, guys. There's better things we could do. Yeah, they give deeper than the little uh, the little basket they pass around. Yes. Yeah, no. I, I'll throw in like some quarters. They made me bring a dollar to church when I was younger. I was like, That's cute. It's my dollar. <laughs> it's I, Jesus is now. Yes, I, I think um, especially 
the point I am now, I have an audience, so giving back, I haven't figured out exactly the best way to do it yet, but yes, certainly something that enters my mind. Why is Goodwill Hunting your favorite movie? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I am glad you asked. Goodwill Hunting, right? Okay, picture this. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, they're in Hollywood. They want to make a movie, right? They're out there acting, you know, they're going to their auditions, but no one is hiring them. Wow, so you like the movie for the story of how it was made. I'm not even finished with the story. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and they can't get hired, so what do they do? They decide to just write their own movie. They write a script so beautiful, so chock full of delicious monologues that they know an A-list actor is going to sign on, which just makes the movie that much more pitchable. <laughs> so they get... Robin Williams to sign on as the therapist. They get Gus Van Sant to direct the movie. They just film the thing since they can't be in anyone else's films. Next thing you know, two years later, they're standing on stage at the Oscars for Best Original Screenplay. It's just two 25-year-olds who chased a dream all the way to its end, who plotted what they wanted and made a film. And if you've ever seen it, it's beautiful. You know, you'll never know what it's, what it's like, what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. Come on. It's a beautiful Robin Williams movie. There's that, there's that scene where they're hugging. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. So do you, do you see your story as something similar? Have you plotted exactly what you want and you plan on following that plan <laughs> until you get it? Hey, my, my, my plan is nowhere near as clean cut as theirs was, I'm sure. But well, I feel like on the outside, their plan looks clean cut. But really, when you're on the inside, of like it's never as chaos. clean as... Yeah. If, if their plan was like chaos, then yes. What I have right now, it feels like chaos, manageable chaos. Um, to be able to do something like that is a dream. Absolutely. What does Axelgate mean to you? Um... Do you not know I, what it I, means? No, not yet. Get I've the, you really don't know what I, it means. I I've been told not to get on Twitter. So <laughs> what's Axelgate, Zach? What's it, Axelgate? It's attached to people thinking you were uh like you you were fake and that you were not more than a plant. It was like uh, that you were a planned out thing. But who planned it? That's my question about the industry plant. Like well, who would have planted you? No like, why? You're like you're like there's no way you were planned. <laughs> like like why? Who would have who would have planned this? Who would have written this story? Well, you should set the record straight, right? You're doing this on your own, but then somebody manager enters your zone, correct? Yes. He DMs you or what? He represents other people that his other people DM'd me, and so I was like, oh, gotta take this a little serious, okay? And so and then uh, he contacted me, and he he just mentioned that like. Uh, hey, I can help you out with brand deals and things like that. He was super, you know, at first he was just blowing smoke up my ass. He was like, you're the best kid I've ever seen. You've got so much talent. And I was like, I, I think it'd be super helpful, you know, to have someone like him. And he's been unbelievably helpful, you know, hooking. Expect, gosh, I got to meet you. Yes. You know, we got to go out to dinner and talk about some time doing this show. So it's been a lot of fun with him. But as far as making the videos, no, I was, I was making them before I ever met anyone and I'll probably make them after. Do you see yourself in like a uh, Brad Pitt or uh, it, like at the phase of creating Goodwill Hunting? <sighs> Brad Pitt is a phenomenal actor and Goodwill Hunting is one of the best movies of all time. But you want to act. I do. That's your goal. That's the dream. There's nothing more powerful than a movie, I think. You take music and you take acting, you take the emotion of the characters on screen and you take dialogue that makes people feel something. A movie can inspire people, can change people's lives. It can make people want to move to New York or start a radio show or, I don't know, what's a dream you had when you were a kid? That's a good question. <laughs> Dan doesn't know what it means to dream. <laughs> <laughs> it inspires people, so yes, absolutely, that's the dream. How have you become a better actor between today and when you started in December? <laughs> have you? Um, I'd say... 
probably marginally, not very much, I'd say. You know, I, I've been doing things like online acting classes. Uh, I've even done things like like the uh, the master classes taught by some of the actors. <laughs> so it mainly just involves me in my room filming self tapes. Um, you know, trying to do like NYU student films stuff around the city. So. Definitely uh, and more improvement than I would have made anywhere else. How do you think becoming a social media star will affect your acting career going forward? So far, it's been nothing but beneficial. Okay. And I intend for it to be nothing but beneficial going forward. It's afforded me the most amazing opportunities as an actor, being able to meet up with agencies, with agents, uh, even with production companies. And... And in a way, doing the social media is like storytelling itself. So I'm mm-hmm. learning a little bit about myself in front of the camera. It is just my camera right now, and someday it'll be someone else's. How do you define success today? I define success as, as cliche as it sounds, being happy. And I think I've found that. I've found some of that, and I'm finding more of it each day. Um... As long as I can wake up in the morning and be excited about what's to come, that's it. It's pretty simple. I mean, if I wake up in the morning and, and I have a feeling in my stomach like, damn, I'm excited about what I'm about to do. That's success. What's been the hardest part about this whole thing over the last few months? and Not fame? seeing my family. That's, that's it? That's it. Absolutely. Undoubtedly. Listen, my entire life, I'm 22. Um, my entire life, I've lived with my family. I've been literally three steps from my sister's bedroom, five steps from my other sister's bedroom. My my parents are always sleeping downstairs. I mean, I've always been surrounded by them. Not having them right next to me has been tough, and it's a weird change. And, and part of me just wants to, like, I just want to, I'm going back to Georgia at the end of the month. It's the thing I'm most excited about. I've been thinking about it for months. Um, my brother's about to have a kid, like, like might be popping her out right now. Seriously, <laughs> she, she might be in labor. So I'm so excited. I get to, I get to be an uncle. Um, not having my family has been the hardest part, but they have been nothing but supportive. It's, it's inspiring for them to be like, listen, we know you miss us, but you're in the right spot. Uh, there's absolutely nothing more profound than feeling that, that intangible hand pushing me forward. Yeah. And they're always there when you need them. Again, a text like, away. one of the, the, the many things that like are afforded, it, family is a luxury sometimes. And I know that's really sad to say, and it's hard to wrap your mind around, but to have that, to have that hand behind you, I mean, not everybody has it. Mm. It's, you know. As Dominic Toretto said in all of the Fast and Furious movies, family is everything. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you just quoted, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Vin, Vin Diesel. Diesel. I thought his best movie was The Pacifier. Okay. Oh, do you know I, that movie? Yes. He's the babysitter, right? Yeah. Britney Snow's in that movie. God, he's phenomenal. Classic. What, what, what is your dream role if you could pick one? Dream role? Uh, well, gosh, Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting. Of course. Just smart guy with a Boston accent. <clears throat> yeah. Are you taking over for Tom Holland as Spider Man? <laughs> um, <laughs> I need to stretch. <laughs> need to stretch, need to learn to do a backflip, need to work out more, and also need to learn how to act. So I, <laughs> I will not be, uh, as far as I know, no plans to be Spider-Man in the near future. When will you consider yourself an actor? I will consider myself an actor when I book a role that people fall in love with. Um, I know what it means for me to do a great job. If other people are inspired by my work, I will find that as a great form of, of success as an actor. If other people are like, I was inspired by your work. To chase this dream for myself. Mm. Are you in love? 
We were talking the last time, a few months ago, about someone you were kind of seeing. Did you see the smile that came on my face when he said that? Oh, yeah. I mean... You are? Um, I don't know if I'm in love. Since moving to New York... Okay. We get it. Ah, you moved to New York. You're lonely, AJ, all right? So I did download all the dating apps. I was like, I just need to go on dates. And did most you of call them yourself just... AJ? AJ, yeah. That's Did you give yourself that nickname? Um, No, my family did. Axel Joseph. Oh, that's cute. So yeah. You don't, so you don't go by Axel? Family calls me AJ. Um, Everywhere else, I think Axel's more professional. So, <laughs> come on. It's the most professional name. <laughs> um, So, most of the dates I've been on have been like just walking around the city. And I'm, I've never really dated before, so it's been a bunch of fun. Uh, two weeks ago, I went on a date. We walked for 10 miles. <laughs> 10 miles around the city, just walking and talking. That's ridiculous. You know? It's ridiculous, but it's fun. As far as in love, I don't know. I've seen the only people that I've seen in my life that have uh, the type of love I aspire to, are like my siblings and you know my extended family and their spouses, like my mom and dad when I came here, sent me a video of them slow dancing to Sweet Disposition by the Temper Trap in the kitchen. So is that the love you want? It's my favorite song. That is the love I want. That lasting love, that love that permeates every part of your life, that extends to every person you touch because you're happy smiling in the morning because your favorite person in the world is laying right next to you. That type of love. Is the person you went on a 10 mile hike with (laughs) the same person you told me about at dinner in January? Um... I, th- I think so. Wow. Probably. Wow. Yeah, I, I have met some people that I've continued to hang out with, and I've been I've been blessed with really good friendship, you know, from, from apps and from social media. A lot of good friendships that have come out of those two things. Do you bring this special person back to your apartment? Um, <laughs> I have brought people back to my apartment, yes, and they've come and checked it out and, uh, and seen the place. Most of them are actually pretty they're, – they're not surprised or thrown off, but they're like, oh, this is small. This is <laughs> – this is quaint. <laughs> Has anybody spent the night? Uh, yeah, my siblings. Anybody else? <laughs> talking about the 10-miler. <laughs> um, declined to comment, um, but I have had my siblings come over, which is great. Somebody asked you if you were gay the other day, and your answer was uh, interesting, wasn't it? I th- What did I, I say? I think something like, jury's still out. I got jury's still oh, out. Yeah, you did a Q&A or something. Exactly. For Dwayne Johnson only? I might have said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I've only dated girls, so. Wow. You know, you'd be a great one for the team. Um, so, are you? Well, let's talk about this hype house thing. Was this ever real? Were you actually invited? Did they want you a part? Like, what, what's going on with that? But as far as the hype house, no. I, I, uh, I'm not sure that there was ever an official invitation for me to join. That would be very cool. I'd be. I mean, I'd be honored. I'm not sure if it's. No, you wouldn't. You okay. don't want to be a part of that. All right. You're bigger exactly. than that. And they live in a mansion. They make content. That seems like a little bit of fun. No? Could that not be more opposite of your brand? You really gonna go from a ninety-five square foot apartment to a f- mansion? We're thinking about brand now. Come on. Yes, I am. You're, Thank you. Content houses aren't even cool anymore. Are Thank you interested you. in management? <laughs> <laughs> content houses aren't cool. What do you mean? Who? What content houses are still relevant? None. Oh, the old people one. I Crickets. love the elderly house. There's an elderly house. Oh yeah, it's like a retirement home, and they like. I, I mean, I think the old people are there against their will. I can't tell you for sure, <laughs> but like they're all like crammed into the house, and they all make videos, and uh, it's really, it's like yes, funny, but also sad like those are that's somebody's grandparents they're just like recording them wheeling themselves to, to, to brunch it's really there's a timeline on that and and the timeline is the end of their life oh, so yeah, that's that dark <laughs> whoever invests in that house is like yeah we need a quick return <laughs> we gotta get we gotta pump out content very fast yeah i mean we all can't be as young and as sprightly as you ah 22 years old with the future ahead thank you um we've covered a lot here uh, we covered Catholic vibes. You've never regretted posting anything on TikTok? No, sir. That's really ever. Like, nothing on the internet yet. No, I, I'm... 
I'm proud of everything I've posted so far. And you know, Axelgate was tied to people thinking you were a liar, which, does that hurt you? To hear that like anybody would consider you a liar? Uh, yeah. You know, I, but I, I understand that they only get to see me in the 2D. Um, and I'd hope that if they ever meet me in person, they come up, we chat about whatever they'd like to chat about, and, and I, I think I'd be able to swing them. So, really? just, just need to meet in person. Yes, I'm confident. That's a really awesome realization to have pretty early on is like they only know you for what they see on the phone and that's only a micro look into who you are and your being i don't i don't blame them there's there's not much to go on you know you only get the videos has tiktok allowed you to learn new things about yourself or maybe forget who you were Ooh. i've i've learned that it's easy to create content if you just live your life a lot of what people want to see is the day-to-day -day. they just want to see someone pursuing something actively so I've, I've learned that you know you don't have to create content just document so what have you learned new about yourself about myself since December I suppose I've learned that um, I can survive on peanut butter I've learned that I definitely miss my family more than I thought I would have and I've learned that times like this where they're tumultuous and you don't know what's going on it's important to remind yourself that uh, you're still very much a human, just mm. just a guy who lives in an apartment, and there's <laughs> there's nothing that much different about myself. I still have to. I, I I'm still showering in my flip flops, you know. So I I've learned that it, um, grounding myself is important. I want to talk about the peanut butter for a second. Weren't you accused of getting some street market shut down on like 14th <laughs> Street because you posted your dollar peanut butter on TikTok? Yes. Yeah. I. I uh, posted the news article after the NYPD does like searches back and forth yeah um so they routinely shut it down and then it, it opens back up the next day so it was open the day was, after and and you got accused of getting it shut down for the day though like that's that's what people were trying to accuse you of I believe so oh god whether or not it was me I'm not sure it's it's entirely possible I was I was pretty reckless just recording everything but that too is a uh, is part of my life <laughs> and I will go back to the street market as soon as I go back to New York <laughs> Why should somebody hire you for their movie or TV show? Make the pitch right now. Sure. Why should somebody cast Axel Weber? The pitch is pretty simple. The only thing I have to offer you is my work ethic. That's it. Um, I believe the most important aspect that a person can provide is the ability to say, I want to do this, I'm passionate about this, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Mm. That's the thing that I have. Um, and you know the technical skills, the acting, the trailer, the learning lines, most of those I believe are learned skills. And if there's any smidgen of talent that I have, and it might be a very small smidgen, I'll try and conjure it up. But the work ethic is the thing I can provide. Work ethic. Yes. Is that what sets you apart from everybody else? I, be I believe that might be the, the, the only quality I possess, yes, <laughs> is work ethic. Your only redeeming quality yes. is work ethic? Yep, no. but, uh, but I'm proud to have that as like, as like a badge of honor, you know? I'm I'm willing to scrub the floors. I'm willing to be a bartender. I'm willing to live in my car. I'm willing to eat dollar peanut butter until I can make more money to buy significant meals. And I'm definitely willing to do the best job on your movie set. I want to do this project. I think we need to do this project. <laughs> Whatever this project is, you need to do it. <laughs> and most importantly, I want to do this project with you. Are you? Well, you're talking to a fictional movie producer right <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, you know, work ethic is a thing. I believe. All of the greatest actors that I've ever seen, I think that's the quality that they possess. So I, I really believe that that's the thing I have in my back pocket. That's my, that's my little card.
Boom. Addison Rae is an actress now. Is that inspiring to see? Absolutely. Yes. She's got her Snapchat show. She's got that first movie that she did, which was funny, arguably. I saw people tearing it apart on TikTok. I was like, this is comical. She's all that? She's all that, yeah. yeah. Did you ever see it? Uh, I just saw the continuity errors that were so <laughs> obvious. It's like, uh, yeah, I saw it. Just the flaws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every mistake. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very inspiring. That's a great example mm-hmm. of a digital creator who transitioned successfully to traditional media. And is that what you want? Absolutely. That's the driving force. But I know that this digital audience is the only reason I have traditional opportunities. Do you think the community you've cultivated is there to see you into that incredible sunset or onto those opportunities? I think that at the very least, my mother would buy a ticket. Sick. (laughs) That's good. If I could get anyone else to, if I could, you know, corral people to actually want to go to the theater and watch a movie that I'm in, uh, that would be success to me. That that'd be that'd be absolutely crazy, astronomical. I really do think you have what it takes. I said that to you when we got dinner. I appreciate that a lot. Really appreciate you. The fact that I'm here on your show now is a blessing. I'm I'm super grateful to be out here. I, I'm I'm in Los Angeles. I'm wearing shorts. Everything about this experience so far, TikTok included, it's led me up to this point. It's led me up here in front of you two. I'm thankful to be here, and uh, including you guys. You guys are literally a part of my journey. And, I mean, I couldn't be any happier. So so thank you guys for having me on here. Whoa. Thank you for letting me see what you guys do best. Um, <laughs> Debatable. And I hope, I, hope you, I hope to be back someday because this is, this is a lot of fun. I like talking. and I like the headphones. Yeah, you, you like hearing yourself, right? <laughs> yes. Nice. Uh, you did say you were going to DM a bunch of people. What do your DMs look like? Have any Has anybody slid into yours? Uh, yes. Yeah, I get I Ew. get some brands sometimes, like candy companies, peanut butter companies. Okay. Love replying to those. And then sometimes it's just the odd, uh, you know, hey. Who's, who's hitting on you? Yeah. Just hey. You know, it'll be like a blank username, maybe like a cat face nah. for the profile picture. And they just go, hey, can I come over? <laughs> Verified people have slid into <laughs> yeah, your DMs you blue that, are more than, th- that are more than just peanut butter companies. Yeah, yeah. Some verified. Anybody and, good? And, uh, yeah, of course. And they're all they're all super nice too. Like, like hey, who? Can we hang out? Can we have a can we have a chat? Um, can we have a chat? Can we have a chat? Who's asking to have a chat? Good people, <laughs> wonderful people, people I'm excited to work with that hopefully you'll see soon. <laughs> David Dobrik, I guess. <laughs> no, not David Dobrik. Not David. Do- oh, uh, Jason Nash. Jason Nash. Don't laugh. He's a great guy. He's the coolest guy. Yeah. yeah. He's a great guy. So, uh, I, gosh, I've seen him on David Dobrik's vlogs. I love that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, any thoughts? Um, yeah, I just want to know if Juilliard offered you like a scholarship or something to go back, would you take it? Hmm. First of all, they absolutely never will. <laughs> but if <laughs> no they shot. did, I would be still to this day honored to attend a school with. Is such prestige. I mean, that that produced the likes of Adam Driver, Viola Davis. I mean, these are fantastic actors that were classically trained there. So even though you didn't originally belong, did not. Even though they originally said no, that's the story of Adam Driver. He got denied from Juilliard, joined the military, came back like ten years later after producing shows there, and then got accepted. I mean, he just kept trying. So would you try again? That's the work ethic that I'm talking about. Absolutely. Would I try again? Absolutely. But the thing is. The way that the path's going now, I it's a possibility that I might be able to do it without having to attend traditional school. But it still means I have to be trained. The training will always be there. The constant learning will always be there. So it might not be at Juilliard, but that just means it might be me, myself, in my room <laughs> on the computer with an actor, you know, doing breathing exercises, jumping around, <laughs> doing jumping jacks. But, you know, we hung out like Wednesday or Thursday before your Juilliard audition, and 
you audition on a Saturday, I think, yes. right? And I remember saying like, there's a thousand different paths to get to where you want to go. And regardless of whether they say yes or no, there are still many other paths that you have the ability to take to get to exactly where your dreams are. And you're on your way. It's true. I I remember you saying that. I appreciate everything you said then. I appreciate you saying it now. Yeah. Uh, it means a lot. It support means a lot. And I believe good words from good people who are pursuing good things. That, that means the world. So I thank you for that. Well, I really appreciate you, Axel Weber. I think we've covered a lot here. And uh, I want to say thank you for your time and energy. You allowed us to literally ask you about everything. Romanticizing poverty. Why people like you. People are going to hate I on you for anything. I don't know why people like me, but I'm glad they do. <laughs> you do, are. Does it affect you, though, when people say these things about you? I, listen, I, I, the only way to look at it is some people are going to like me and some people won't. And as long as I'm doing the right thing that feels good to me, that's really the only barometer I need. Hell yeah. And I do think when you're afforded the opportunity, you will give back to those who are in similar situations that you're in now. I do. I think you will uh, pay it forward every step of the way. That's the goal. Axel Weber, everybody. Thanks for hanging out, man. Thanks for having me. We get to do another clap. All right. (laughs) Only one more clap for you. Axel Weber, once again, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, boys. I appreciate you. Hey, beautiful human. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and joining our conversation with Axel Weber. Please remember to subscribe and leave a rating and a review and you love what we do share our show with those you care about and let us know who we should interview next at zach sang show on any form of social media reach out we're always available and if you want to hear our interviews live they always happen first on amp monday through friday 3 to 6 p.m on amp if you want to join there's going to be a link in the description and on all of our social channels see you there but uh please be safe hug your family if you can and don't go to jail have a great tomorrow Today's show is hosted and executive produced by Zach Sang. He was also executive produced by Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Grace Delia, Dylan Martyr, Dan Zolot, Joshua Rusak, and Olivia Rudensky. Music by James Ashuto. Senior producer, Caitlin Plummer. Associate producer, Eve Bishop. Production sound mixing on today's show was done by Alex Goins, Nico Pierce, and Joseph Hartshorn. Sound mixing was done by Daniel Chavez-Crook and Ivan Wayman. Post-production manager was Caroline Rude. Production manager was Michelle Doristock. And our production coordinator was Bryce Herless. And that was an episode of The Zach Sang Show. Talk to you soon.